Welcome back to the Shock Therapy Podcast brought to you by the Say It Again Network. We got special guests here from the Kingdom Says Podcast, Garrett Williams and Kyle Henning. How are you guys doing today, man? Doing great. I was doing better before Chris Jones went on COVID list, but I'm, <laughs> I'm all right. Well, we, we both are dealing with COVID issues right now, aren't we? I think the whole league is at this point. I think I saw Schefter tweet a few minutes ago that they've had 75 positive tests in 48 hours. That's Which, insane. That's crazy. Before this week, I think there were 57 for the whole freaking season. Which, it's just, it's it's wild. This week has just been terrible across the league. I think the Browns have like nine players out for COVID this week. That's Rams so... Added Rams had after a, Monday night's game. And then had to cl- close down their facilities. Yeah. I mean, it's there's serious. There's a couple teams who have had to close down their facilities, I think. I think Has there been? I think there's another team I thought might have been I would the assume Lions. Cleveland did with that many positives that fast. Yeah, I think the Lions had to last week because of their like they had I think they had a flu outbreak, but they ended up treating it kind of the same. Um well, I'm not sure if they're still in those protocols though. I think it's really crazy that it's taken to week fifteen to have this problem. I mean, I, I was expecting this to derail the season before it started. So I guess that's the silver lining. Uh it took till week fifteen, but this is well, meaningful football. It's is, December. What's what else is interesting is the league is you can it's definitely most of the guys are vaccinated, which is I don't know if that's helping this spread or hurting this spread at this moment with how rapidly it is. It seems like it there's there's medical evidence on both sides of which way the best way is, but they hold that that may be why they've gotten to week fifteen up to this point with so few out with that with so few COVID tests. Yeah. But now with all these extra variants and stuff. The, I don't know how many of them are mandated to get boosters. I don't think any of them are. I don't think the NFLPA and the NFL had a have an agreement about the booster shots. So I mean, you don't even have to be vaccinated to play. I mean, that's one of the, the big changes from last year to this year is if you're vaccinated and you get those negative tests, you can still play the same week you test test positive. Exactly. But then they also have hours. this. They have this also this weird uh, uh, close contact where you know there's still that you could still pop for that and still not get to play but i was a little surprised um uh keenan allen didn't play last week uh because he tested positive at the beginning of the week and i don't know if it was you know trying to keep him out keep him healthy for this upcoming game uh which is this is going to be a big game for both of us on both sides i i really wish we both would be at you know full power because i feel like that would make for so much so much more of a, a positive game to, to go and watch i want your guys' best at our best you know what i mean right uh, i might have to wait guys... till playoffs for that though yeah well maybe we'll have to see about that but <laughs> obviously you guys not having slater is huge and that was going to be a very big matchup for the d-line but then you know we potentially don't have chris so uh, it's just kind of a give and take i will say uh, at the beginning of the season we had a similar thing that you guys had with keenan allen uh with tyron matthew actually because he was in the pro covid protocol uh, early in the week, and then he got out of it, but they ended up uh, making him inactive for the game because uh, I believe they just said he wasn't, you know, fully up to uh, to training speed because he hadn't practiced all week and something like that. So that was the I opener. guess it's something that was the Cleveland yeah. game. Exactly, that was the opener. So uh, we can definitely ex- experience those those same pains. But well, uh, who do you guys think? I mean, it's still Chris Jones is officially ruled out, correct? For no, this week? no, he's, he's not vaccinated. So technically, yeah, so like Tyler was tests. talking about, if Still, he gets two okay. negative tests before in the next twenty-four in a twenty-four hour time period, 
Okay. He can still technically play now. He'll have to fly separately than the team did because I think they leave tomorrow. And okay. yeah. I assume he wouldn't be able to hit his second negative in 24 hours until Thursday morning. But it's same not thing for Josh. completely out of the realm. It's just stupidly unlikely that he's playing. Yeah, and it's the same thing for Josh Gordon as well, who also got okay. placed on the, uh, the COVID list. I'm not but too I... worried about Josh Gordon, though. I mean, he hasn't really been <laughs> a major know. factor in your guys' offense. He got I mean, a touchdown got, last like, week. He got a touchdown to last week, his first there. touchdown. I mean, he's once only you get got that like ball, six receptions he's... on the season. What are you talking yeah, about? I mean, they're, he, starting, they're starting to do the manufactured touches for him like they've done for other guys in the past. And he just started getting on that. And he got a little bit of his confidence back that with that touchdown. And then Kobe. So the difference between Slater and Gordon and Chris Jones is those two, the first two guys tested on Monday. Chris tested gotcha. today. So that's a smaller time window. So tech and did they already rule Rashawn out out? No. Yeah. I, did they? I, I, I haven't heard, heard anything heard today about that. I know he's vaccinated. Uh, but when you, you get that test the day after Sunday, it just makes the probability that much unlikely. I'm not expecting either of the three players to play. Um and like like you said, that sucks because I wanted to sucks. see Rashawn against Frank and against Melvin Ingram and have Chris out there against you know, your the interior and Corey Lindsley. Instead, I'm expecting to see Melvin Ingram lined up right over Trey Pipkins all his day. Best friend this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's his not, best friend. Not a good week for it. Now not a now, good week for it. Just all. going off that, we're we're planning on all three of those guys being out. Who who do you guys think is a bigger blow to their team being out, Rayshon Slater or Chris Jones? Who I do you mean, think has the biggest impact not playing this weekend? Or that's tough Thursday? because both of those dudes are so important to both of the units that they're a part of. Chris is arguably the biggest piece of our defense right now, not to take any way, anything away from Tyron or any of the other guys, but Chris Jones is an unstoppable force on the inside at the D-tackle position, and it doesn't really matter who you put on him either or how many you put on him. He affects the game, whether he gets to the quarterback or he gets his hands up and knocks the ball down or – collapse in the pocket so that's big but having as you mentioned pipkins starting at left tackle and getting a heavy dose of melvin ingram and frank clark a healthy looks fresh looks happy looks rejuvenated frank clark that's not something that justin herbert's going to be happy about i don't think very often i think you guys have the depth along the defensive line to allow chris jones to be out where we don't have the depth on the offensive line at all. I think so too. And I think that might be why I would lean a little more towards Slater being a huge loss. A, because he's played absolutely insane for a rookie at that position, which is nearly unheard of in the NFL. But B, because you mentioned the depth there is just, it's not the same. And they do have guys on the inside in Kansas City. You can rotate Jaron Reed in. You can rotate yeah. Derek Naughty in. Tershawn Ward. Colin Saunders might be active Turk. for a game. Um, yeah, finally. Colin Saunders actually probably would be active for this game finally. Uh, which and he's a guy that's basically been having to sit and wait because they've got so much depth on that D line now that he doesn't really have a spot right now. And with Chris out, he may get a chance to to show what he's capable of doing because they like Lost using him. He's an insanely athletic three hundred plus pounder. He I like. There's a reason that they used him as a linebacker against. I think it was you guys in week seventeen last year in some it spots was. because of how fast and for how even though he's that big, he's that fast. So. It, also, you guys were sitting all of your starters in yeah. in week seventeen, so it was like, "Hey, let's go ahead and throw this this big three hundred thirty pound guy at, at linebacker and just have some fun with it." 
And he had seemed yeah. to enjoy himself because man, he's moving. He's, that's one thing with him. He's never he's never out of a play. He's always running the play down, whether it's on the far sideline or thirty five yards behind him downfield or whatever. He's always running after whatever it is. So that motor doesn't quit. He's he's one of my for the Chiefs guys and for you Chargers fans for the Chargers fans that don't know like he's one of my favorite players that gets very little run and very little time just because of what kind of position he's in and where he's at. He's just hard to not like. He's his personality's great. He does a bunch of stuff outside of football that's fun too. Like he makes music and he does all this other stuff. And he's also a hilarious Twitter follow sometimes. So <laughs> it's it's well, it'll be nice to hopefully I, I don't want to lose Chris Jones, obviously, but it'll be nice to see him hopefully get a little bit of time. Well, the Chiefs are on, you know, six game winning streak now after uh, just an atrocious beginning of the season. But um, you know, the defense was really iffy to start the year really That's strong nice. on this <laughs> historically well, bad is another way to put it historically <laughs> bad you can you but, can say but, it we accept it but now you guys are on the other end of it historically great 11 like not even 11 points uh, averaging surrendering 11 points per game over the last six games i think chris jones bumping inside is a big part of that but like what other things are this chief defense doing now that they weren't really doing week three when we first saw you Really, they're just executing. Like it's just, it was kind of off what we were seeing in the beginning of the season because there's a lot of like veteran guys on the team who were just not doing what they, you know, usually do. Like they just some for for some reason they regressed a lot harder at the beginning of the season, and it just seemed like communication was a big issue. Injuries were kind of an effect where guys kind of had to shuffle around. Um, but really, it's just been like the the lower tier guys, the the I guess quote unquote the not the stars, you know, have actually have started to pick it up and play better. We uh, Dan Sorensen is one who's you know was absolutely killed on Twitter for the first eight weeks, and then uh, he's actually started to turn it around and play pretty decently. And uh, you know, our secondary has stepped up huge. All the guys have uh, have taken a huge step forward mid season, and it's just kind of the the trend that you see with Steve Spagnuolo defenses is that for the past you know three four years like they've had a slower start and they just you know for some reason it takes them a, a couple weeks to to get into that rhythm it was a little more drastic this year obviously um we came out a lot slower than uh than most but uh, ultimately it's it's great to see because all the guys that should be performing now are actually performing like frank clark a guy that we paid a, a boatload of money to he's finally earning that contract right now which he hadn't really done the first half of the season or even and he the was last out half. that game against us i'm pretty sure i don't think we yeah. faced Flake or frank clark yeah, yeah he had a, he's been dealing with a couple injuries this year and then so he's he hasn't really looked himself in a, in a while so to see him return to the form it's just all the swagger that's really returned to the team i think that melvin ingram trade is also a massive thing that helped boost that d-line room and just bring some more fire and juice to them so i was everyone's so just pissed having fun. about that me too i, I was so angry that you guys got him. i used to like the guy yeah i, <laughs> I could root for him when he was at guy. pittsburgh i know i still they like the guy it just in he's the off season they just wearing the wrong color all the bonus money and the stuff up front but getting yeah. him for a sixth and a minimum contract essentially for the rest of the year from pittsburgh was more than welcomed we that's a steal a huge steal and just like what a, a influence he has made like you guys were talking about it historically bad now i i, I think i read something you guys are like the first defense since the legion of boom seahawks to hold three teams below 10 points consecutive. Four of our last five. That's 
Oh, is that what the, the yeah. yeah okay and still it amazing happened, and before that i think it was the ravens in like 2001 okay well that's a pretty that's pretty with, good with good that being right said there. you guys now have to face the red hot chargers who have put up 35 points in three of their last four games what kind of challenge does justin herbert and company pose to the kansas city defense I mean, he's got a rocket arm for one, so we know we that. All we all saw that. Do we, we, and can we all four here agree that as a big time throw, regardless of what PFF wants to say, dude, that's a oh big yeah. time throw. That man. was a great throw. I I haven't seen the PFF tweet, but I'm sure it's nice and asinine. It, <laughs> look, and, and I'll say this because I say this all the time about PFF. There are uses for PFF, but there are their context matters exponentially in some of that stuff and. Some of the other stuff is like so subjective and so opinion based that it's like, yeah, okay. So you watch film and I watch the film and you view it that way and we view it a different way. And I get all that, but some of that is just unusable data. And yeah, that's that's a big time throw. Even what? if yeah. even if he and I'm not even sure what they would have used to rule that a not big time throw, but Maybe the separation by the receiver because he had a couple yards on the DBs or whatnot. But, but he's getting he's throwing sixty <laughs> oh, yards while getting hit. Like that's insane. My yeah, favorite part about that throw, throw is is that the uh, like the passing chart that gets released after the game. Like that throw wasn't even it didn't even land Uncharted, on the chart. You can't yeah. find it. <laughs> it literally no. passed the chart. And there's only a couple of guys that can do that. Like there's yeah. you can you can put them on one hand. Yeah, Josh one Allen. Of, one of them's fifteen in in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes. Then, yeah. Justin Herbert, and Josh Justin Allen, Justin Herbert, and let's—I'll I'll give uh, Matt I mean, I guess... Stafford because uh, uh, I didn't think he could throw that far at his age anymore, and he had a huge, huge throw that kind of landed in that same area of air distance yards. But there's not very many guys who are throwing sixty yards while getting hit. Let's not forget Aaron Rodgers because he can still get that ball down there, and he can yeah, it's true. Yeah, can't there, forget. Like I said, there's about five guys that can make that throw, and. Justin set his feet, took a hit while, while letting it go, essentially, and still dropped that in a bucket. So you that's that's stuff that we like year one, some of those were getting picked. Like, for example, the first game against us when he just found out he was starting five minutes beforehand or whatever and yeah. when they punctured Tyrod's lung. He he throws that ball deep, and I think it was Sneed happened to rotate back over the top as like an extra safety, ended up picking it off. But you got you have to defend every blade of grass with some of these quarterbacks, and he's one of those. So that's something that I'm looking to see if the defense is able to do is to defend all of all of the field. I I expect to see less Dan Sorensen on the field this week um, with Sneed back and with the rest of the secondary back fully at least at this point. Knock on wood, nobody else ends up on the list or anything. But with everybody back playing, I don't expect as many Dan snaps. We had to use Tyron a lot in the slot and down in the box this week against, uh, oh, yeah, the Raiders. I had to think about who You guys played. blew out the Raiders. Thank you, by the way. That, a, that was, that was nice right, we, to see. We enjoyed we it thoroughly, too. You guys, like, halftime. Like, I was like, yeah, so we played the Chargers. Like, I've basically forgotten that we played the Raiders this Sunday because it was over before the end of the second quarter. So. I wanted to ask, do you guys have any plans of storming the bolt? midfield and doing the same uh, thing this week i wouldn't answer that question of champions <laughs> don't behave in that manner i saw that I, I and i thought that was classy and i definitely agree i mean you can't do that well, yeah. especially what are you doing you're yeah, the Raiders. well and it's of course it's the uh it's yannick and who who has know, been drugged the ultimate the ultimate yeah his whole career 
happened and in just, Jacksonville. Remember when they were talking all that noise in 28 when off that AFC Championship game and they were going to come in and Ty- Tyreek Hill return was a return specialist. And yeah. this dude was – this guy. I think the guy that – the other guy with the with the famous quote isn't even in the league right now because they were so bad. Like that – Yannick Ngakwe has done nothing but get victimized by – even the game they beat us in Arrowhead, we, they gave up 35 points. I mean, he hasn't been the same since he left Jacksonville. Nope. It's Max Crosby on the other side. That's that's the danger over there. Well, and, and yeah. Max and Max and Derek Carr were both like, "What are we doing, guys? Why are we doing? All right, I mean, I guess we're a team and we're going to do this together. But this seems like a bad idea." And then, oops, you fumbled the first snap of the Oof. game. Seven points quickly. It's fourteen nothing. All of a sudden, it's twenty eight nothing. Then thirty five. That then... was a snap. Like football's not decided <laughs> in a play. It took a snap. It took not even 30 seconds. (laughs) Over in 20 seconds. That's the fastest. Vic Tafur, the Raiders beat reporter for The Athletic, was like, well, this game's over. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, you were mentioning Snead. I I saw he wasn't at practice. I know he's been dealing with the the loss of his brother. Horrible tragedy. Awful, awful, awful news. But the, the... Word around Chiefs camp is that he will be back. He was flying back today. Um, They didn't expect him to practice today. I assume he'll go through walkthroughs and fly out with the team tomorrow, and he's expected to play at this point. I haven't seen anything to the contrary. So I anticipate it being Sneed, Fenton, and Ward as the starting corners with back to normal with Tyron and Juan in the back end. So don't I wouldn't expect to be too different of a secondary from that perspective, although it may look different than when we played you the first time because I don't think he was active either in that game. We were missing one of the corners at that point. I don't remember which one it was. I want to say it was the other one, but I just because of their first yeah, names. I, may have been, it may it have, have been Charlie. One of them was one of them was out. I believe that game also with some kind of injury. So I yeah. always get them confused just because. Because of their first names. The part. <laughs> yeah, and that too. Um, and then I just don't watch Chief film. I watch it twice a year. So <laughs> that's fair. I get you. Very underrated group, though. You don't you might want to turn you on. You guys got a sometime. lot of really young contributors for for a, yeah. for an off. Oh yeah. For a head coach who doesn't like rookies, I mean, you guys are playing a lot of them. Nick <laughs> Bolton's been playing really well. Rookies. Creed Humphrey. I think Trey Smith. Did Trey Smith re- revert back to to? Second string, no, because oh no no no! I would I hope so. No, that would no, be no. great news. Trace Smith, <laughs> Trace Smith is not going the anywhere. Going around of Max Crosby getting flattened last week is Trey Smith. On that oh, side gotcha. Trey Smith absolutely. I see Kyle. Max Crosby. I see Kyle Long. I've seen him on the field a few times. So I didn't know there. You guys aren't taking out Joe Thune, right? No, they're using an extra lineman in some packages. Sometimes it's Nick gotcha. Allegretti. Sometimes it's Kyle. It's not Long. Kyle Long though. Yeah, Kyle Long. He's honestly. Kyle Long was like a great story in the offseason, but realistically, he doesn't really have a chance to start anywhere unless there's an injury on the line because all across the board, the only spot that's even potentially up for grabs would be right tackle, which has been occupied by Andrew Wiley the past couple weeks due to uh, our other quote-unquote rookie. He's a first-year guy, but he opted out last year. But right, uh, Lucas, Lucas Niang, yeah, he's been injured the past couple weeks. So Andrew Wiley's been filling in. That was kind of the thought that we had is that uh, Kyle Long might be able to step in at right tackle because he had played it before, but uh, it seems like they're pretty content with just having him as a reserve lineman at this point. Andrew Wiley's done more than I think probably the coaching staff expected, and I know he's done more than what we originally expected seeing seen from him, especially at the right and tackle also, position. Yeah, and Niang is going to be back this week, I believe. He was mm-hmm. active last week, but they decided to keep I'll Andrew Wiley in. Just to cause... see which one starts at tackle. I'm is, curious yeah. if Andrew is Rimmers Wiley's... coming back this season? Who? Mike Rimmers? 
Uh, I doubt it. That's that's a that another back injury type thing, and those never seem to go well for offensive linemen, no matter how. Well, Chiefs know all about that, right? That's why they got rid of their their yeah, starting tackles last year. Schwartz yep. is back, and I Fisher's think ACL. No, yeah. it was Achilles, wasn't it? Uh yeah, one of those two Achilles yeah. ACL. So, but all right, we talked a bunch about Achilles. us. What's uh what's the matchup on the offense of side of the ball for the Chargers that they're they're going to try to go after this week? I wouldn't be surprised to see them come in a lot of two tight end sets and really try to help out their offensive tackles quite a bit. Um, that's my key matchup against against you guys is is using our six eight tight end uh, using uh, Jared Cook and trying to to get some mismatches on your guys' linebackers, uh, especially knowing that you guys are coming up to full health in in the secondary. Um, and I think that we're going to need to, to move Justin Herbert outside the pocket, get him out in, in running out because I'm not looking forward to all this pressure that's coming on the offensive line with, with our two starting offensive tackles out. Um, oh, that's right. You both, uh, both tackles are out. Yeah. Brian yeah. Bulaga hasn't played since the, the first couple snaps of week one and, there's what been no investment. talk. I have heard nothing about him coming back. So it looks like Storm Norton is our guy for the rest of this season. And then Rayshon Slater will be back next week, but that doesn't help us this week, right? Yeah. And no. Rayshon Slater's played like a top five, top 10 offensive tackle this year. And it's, it's, it's a huge miss. And, you know, while we have Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley been playing extremely well in the interior, that's, that's not helping with all, all the pressure off the edge. No. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm really, I'm really needing a big game from Austin Eckler because of the pressure. Um, obviously, I, I think I think both teams are much better defending the pass than they are against the run. Um, both teams are offenses that rely on the heavy, the big explosive play, and that doesn't really happen without a consistent run game. It doesn't need to be good, but it needs to be positive. So. And then in the passing game, I want to see Eckler spread out, maybe give him some dumps, give him some screens, get him involved in the passing game to kind of relieve that pressure. I think I think the key on both offenses is having a, at least a decent run game to rely on, to, to open up the passing game, to be able to, to run the play action fakes, because that's what's been working so well for us uh, recently is being able to mix it up, uh, forcing teams to respect us in the box, um, and then being able to use uh, Herbert's arm over top. I, I think playing you guys last week I, or last in the beginning of the year, being able to limit you guys to big plays was a big deal. But running the football, you guys had tremendous success. I think almost over 180 yards as a team. Clyde Edwards Hilaire had 100 yards himself. But then you guys kind of fourth quarter tail, you know, went away from that. I don't see Andy Reid being the coach he is, uh, running away from success. Um, so I think on both sides, getting the – I know the quarterbacks are superstars, but getting the running backs involved just to create that fluidity, that synergy, I just think makes offenses that much harder to defend. So I think those are both of those guys are going to be huge. I, uh, I also am a little concerned with the health of Austin Eckler. I know he's been banged up. I know that we're going to him a lot because we don't he's, have any running backs a lot that are of miles. successful right now on our roster. So I know he was, he, nobody practiced on Monday, Tuesday, everybody was a limited participant, but Austin went out in the third quarter and he didn't come back. 
right? And we've been hearing for a couple of weeks that he's getting a little more banged up, that he's getting a lot of carries. So I don't necessarily know, you know, what percent, if he's 70%, if he's 60%, if he's 90%. I know he, he got his ankle wrapped up last week. Uh, that could be a huge factor when the game comes around is whether or not we have a running back or whether or not we're throwing the ball 50 times because we have no running back behind him on, on the depth chart that can carry the load. Yeah. You guys led me to my, basically my next two questions, which is health related, which was Eckler, which you kind of already covered. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Derwin, like Derwin's good to go. I've been Derwin. wanting to watch that dude healthy for the entire time you guys have, he's one of my favorite non-chiefs to watch play the game just because of how he plays and what he does. And every year it's like, man, I just wish he could be healthy for a little while because I want to watch. He's been healthy this year. He missed one game. He's been healthy. He could have played on Sunday. I think if it wasn't the Giants, if it wasn't the Giants, he would have played. I I think that's what Uh, that's where I was wondering, because I guess, like you said, I don't watch enough Chargers. I don't watch Chargers film all all the time. I watch. So one of the things with Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley has been holding guys who are a little bit banged up back a little bit, limiting snaps. I know Joey Bosa uh, hurt himself. Um, he had a, like a concussion, clear concussion protocols, and he just pulled him out, right? And that was like in the second quarter of the game. Um, you know, he when it comes to injuries. nine snaps that game. Yeah, when it comes to injuries, he's very, very conservative. Uh, he wants to keep – I mean, if you look at both teams right now, both teams are relatively healthy – at the end of the year, it's December. And most teams are not this healthy at, at this time, point in the year. I mean, I don't think we have very many um, important players on IR right now for either team. We, we're dealing with some COVID issues. But a lot of it's been holding some players back. Even you look at our off-season program, it was all about the health of the players. But a big game like this, I'm expecting um, I'm expecting to, to push – be a little more aggressive with with some of our injuries because this is a big game. This game is going to de- decide who wins the division. Very likely, this yeah. is a this is a huge huge matchup on a Thursday in December uh, for both teams. Like it yeah. it goes a long way in deciding the AFC West. It can go a long way in deciding seating as far as where everybody lands. It's, I mean, both teams have the ability to get a a, a buy. Both teams are right in position for a number one seed, right? Yeah. We have, I mean, the AFC conference is, is just super, super crowded right now. And I don't think anybody has more than one game lead on anybody else that's in playoffs right now. Well, there's, I don't even think there's a team that's technically locked into a playoff spot yet. No. Like, there's not a single team who's locked into a playoff spot. Oh, that's is, true. I think I think last week was the longer. first. Go ahead. Was, I was just saying last weekend, the, that group of games was the first time I was hearing it. Uh, this team has potential to lock up if they win and two teams lose. So I feel like it's going to start right. happening yet. But I don't think anybody clinched yet. There was yeah, a, I think it was South Walder again that tweeted out like 12 of the most likely playoff scenarios for the AFC and not one of the scenarios was above 1% of a chance of it actually happening. Like yeah. there's no, no structure or understanding of who is the best team in the AFC right now. Not it's a complete well, everybody's good and very few are bad. Like there's a couple bad teams, but for the most part, everybody's good. Like it's and the schedules are interesting because between us and you, I think everybody plays like two more division games even after this game. 
Yeah, we, we have you guys, the Chiefs, and the Broncos still. We also have one of the easiest strengths of schedules the rest of the way. I mean, we got the Texans. We just played the Giants and blew them out. Uh, well, even if we trade with the Raiders and the Broncos, right, we trade one for one, I'm pretty sure we're, we're two games like away from clinching. And then we obviously play the Texans, which should be uh, – that should be a, a walk. We've walk. got Denver again. You guys right now, and then the Bengals and the Steelers, which the Bengals are frustrating because that's a good football team. I'm Steelers fans may get mad. I have zero fear of the Steelers at this point. I, I don't None. either. I wouldn't blame you guys. Big Ben is a corpse at this point. He's holding like, them back. Like they have a really good I mean, roster I don't know what, position. I mean, it needs to be the IG Harry show. Rudolph, like, woo. <laughs> I, I, good luck. Like, they, the quarterback position is something they should have addressed sooner than they did because it wasn't exactly like Ben was lights out last year, for example. Um, he's been deteriorating fast. I mean, since Eli retired. I don't know why he's still in yeah, the league, to be honest. And, like, it's wild because – well, I mean, it's, although like, I say it's wild, but at the same time, like, we watched Peyton Manning fall off a cliff, and he's one of the best to yeah. ever do it. And, it ha- yeah, it happens, I think. And still took him to a Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I think that's what separates. Well, he didn't win defense. the Super Bowl, but he he got them there. He got <laughs> he, them there. He also got benched against us that year. He had pins in his neck. I know, and like three surgeries. The poor old man. It's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. So with those strength of schedules, like this game is is a huge game for both parties. That's why I agree with Tyler completely. I think you're going to see both coaches a empty the tank as far as guys are concerned, but also. We've been talking about play calling in Kansas City for what, Garrett? Two months. Yeah. I I don't like to think that Andy keeps stuff hidden, but he does, and like he's demonstrated that he keeps stuff in his back pocket all the time. And I just expect him to unload some of the stuff he's been holding on to in this game. I that's something. That's another. It makes thing a lot of sense. I see both both uh, coaches doing that, that this week. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's funny about we both teams blew out the opponent they played, and neither one showed squat. Like we didn't do much from a play calling perspective that was out of our norm, and neither did you guys. And both of the opponents got absolutely. (laughs) The Giants ran like five different trick plays against us, and not a single one of them. Well, not a single one of them, and they were down drive. so much. <laughs> Joe Judge. had to. That's all I'm going to say about that. Joe they Judge. unloaded yeah, everything, and they were all like, "We're just trying to be cl- play close. Like, let's just try." It was bad. That the yeah, Giants were really we only bad. saw we only saw one fake against us, which did <laughs> did actually succeed. So that I guess was he has had only a because there, Andy but... called a timeout with a minute and five seconds left in the second quarter to try to score more, and they were like, "Oh no, no, we can't <laughs> let that happen." Yeah, it was a fourth and one too. It was, it was the most obvious fake punt of of all time that was coming, but they still got it and then drove down the field and kicked three points at the end of the half when they were down thirty five. One of the most cowardly things I've ever seen. I tweeted out when they when you kick a field goal down thirty five in the first half inside. You're just the trying not to line. get blown. You're just trying not to get shut out. Exactly. That's they're they're like, to, yeah, they're just home. hey, we didn't get blown out by the Chiefs. <laughs> Well, they're with, just trying not to get shut out. I am interested. Yeah. How do you think the rest of this AFC West is going to turn out? Well, the Raiders are god awful. Yeah, the Raiders so. suck. The Broncos suck. Well, uh, but they both a have a playoff. They they both have a chance to make playoffs. The Raiders are not making the playoffs. 
I will go ahead and yeah, stand Raiders, on that. The Raiders right definitely that are not. I mean, there's a lot of dysfunction going on there, especially with everything that happened with the head coach. But they're the weirdest hot and cold team in the NFL because defensively they're playing very well. Not against you guys, but against most other teams. They have been playing pretty well. Um, you look at everything that's been going on with Henry Ruggs, right, with the, the head coach. The fact that they're still even competing with a lot of these teams in the NFL and they have all this baggage that they're holding on to as well, that that's sneaky, to be honest. And they are overperforming because I don't think their roster is all that great, but they are overperforming. And they still have a chance. I mean, they've beaten some good teams. Well, they've got the Browns, Colts, Raiders, or not Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers coming up. So, I mean, that's, that's four three playoff teams. Yeah, that's well, four. the Colts two, will be two a minimum, difficult one. At least probably yeah. three. Two, two playoff teams, if not three playoff teams in that last portion of that schedule. So we're going to find out a lot. Denver pulls yeah. something out. They might be the fourth playoff team. The Raiders may close with four playoff teams in, in the whole yeah, that does make so, things difficult. What about the Broncos? I mean, the Broncos are, are right there, so too. They're limited with Teddy Bridgewater on offense that it's hard. For, unless that defense literally balls out every game all the time, that offense is so limited that a decent defense of any variety puts them to bed. Now, so the Broncos division have. games are wacky and people and crazy stuff happens, but the Broncos, as far as, like, if you look at the rosters and if you look at the setup, you're, you're t- it's tough to see them beating – us or you, and then whoever else is on that schedule. I mean, they beat and us the a couple weeks ago. They still have they have us, the Raiders, and the Chargers all in the last three weeks. Like yeah. that's a tough end of the season to face all of your rivals in the last three weeks. Yeah, and I think two of those are on the road. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And the thing uh, about yeah. us is we've, 
we're we've actually beat the important teams we needed to beat. Like we beat the Bengals. We have the tiebreaker there. That's huge for us. Yep. Huge, huge, huge. We beat the Browns. I don't. I think the Browns aren't going to make playoffs. I think just from a numbers perspective, their their record, they have some catch up to do. They're going to need some things to fall their way, and I don't think anything's going to fall their way with how competitive the AFC is. Lamar's injury is huge. How long that is and how severe that is will determine a lot in that AFC North. Oh, that's true. They could totally still win the division too. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm hats off to Harbaugh and what he's done this year with the mash unit he has for a roster. Because their their injury report was so long, it was two tweets by one. I mean, they players. started off with so many guys on IR. Yeah, they lost, they lost a two lot running backs before the first snap of the season. Three running yeah. backs. They were asked three running backs before the yeah. first half of the season. And then you lose your left tackle. You lose like your entire secondary at this point is gone. Deshaun Elliott, Marlon Humphrey, like everybody in that secondary, Marcus Peters, they're all hurt. Humphrey they're hit all IR, hurt. right? Every yeah. single He's done for the year. He's out. Yeah. They're all done. Like the Ravens have done so much with so little. They've also gotten some extremely nice luck in some of those games, which you have to in the NFL and some of this stuff, ball bounce here, ball bounce there. And they've won games like, the Raiders game earlier this year, they should have lost. They won. They should have lost to us. We coughed up a fumble on a game win- uh, in a play that should have been kicking a field goal for the game winner. Like they and they they beat Cleveland. They beat us too. Beat, they almost beat Cleveland this week uh, after being down horrendously with no Lamar from the second quarter. And Brett on. Hundley, did you see the Brett Hundley <laughs> scramble that all the different guys he juked? Yeah, that guy must have ran sixty yards to get ten. It was insane. <laughs> yep. And it's like that he so uh, for me Harbaugh's in the coach of the year conversation just based on what he's done with what little he's got at his disposal. I mean, I mean with same an XFL thing Mike team. did. You win the NFL Mike games with an XFL two years team. ago with Ben Roethlisberger. Yep, and it's 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 impressive to watch what they've done. Um, but the AFC, like you said, like the Titans are still available and still a decent team. The Colts are pushing for a playoff spot. The Ravens are still in it. The Browns are still in it. The Steelers are still somehow in it. I th- although I think that loss this last week really put a damper on the Steelers' potential going forward. Did, were they the ones the that Lions. tied the Lions? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. That's all you got to hear. Yeah. They tied the Lions. Yeah. Well, and we're talking about how tightly contested this playoff race is. Obviously, very, very, you know, major implications in this game. Which team is feeling more pressure going into it? That's I'd probably say I, the Chiefs. Honestly. I say it's all Chiefs. I I'm mean, I'm, I would definitely say the Chiefs, only because we are on a very hot streak right now, and there's a lot of momentum I think picking up for us. And I think having another, especially you know, losing to you guys earlier in the season, getting swept by the Chargers, just, I mean, to be honest, I don't hate Chargers fans as much as as Raiders or Broncos, but uh, I just don't really see it would be it would be tough looks if the uh, the Chiefs got swept by the the Chargers. So I think that's, I think that's a lot of pressure. Andy preaches all year long. You win your division, and you and you at least want to split with every team you play. So I would agree from that standpoint a little bit. I do think there's, I don't see, I don't think there's no pressure on the Chargers because they're trying to make the statement about they're the new team to come in and compete with. We're you're in the same category as the Chiefs in the AFC West. You're a game back. It's on your own field. It's a prime time game. Like these are big games, and it, it you want to show that you can perform at the highest level against the best, some of the best competition in games like this, and make it make a statement about the division. Like because for five years now, AFC West runs through Arrowhead, and that's been the statement, and it hasn't really been contested heavily in in many of those years, just for differences in rosters or how things have fallen throughout the year. 
this is a big game for both teams. Like we've talked about it. I, I don't want to say there's no pressure on the chargers. Cause I, like I said, I think there's definitely some, I do think the chiefs have a little bit more of a, a, they probably put some on themselves with a, the loss earlier this year there where they feel like they probably could have played a little bit better in that game and won it, not turning the ball over four times, doing some of the other things that happened during that. But it's a, it's a big game. It's a pressure packed game from both sides. And I did want to give a little shout out. I saw the uh, Joey Bosa celebration. <laughs> that was that was great. I, uh, that was real good. I like that one. That was fun. That was hilarious. I love that. I do think it's a big game for the Chargers. I think there's a lot of pressure on the Chargers to sweep the Chiefs, which I don't know when the last time they've done that. They also haven't won a, a, a the division since 2012. I want to say nine. I thought. It's even later than that. Oh yeah, I thought it was uh, the division title, two thousand nine. But like, made the Ron playoffs in two thousand. Had a couple years there. So. Yeah, it's definitely been like ten years since they've won the division, which is super important. And then Brandon the fact Staley, that we can't remember in, is a problem. <laughs> exactly. Brandon Staley coming in in his first year and winning the division would be enormous for him. It would be so big for him to sweep the Chiefs, which hasn't been done in so many years. It's it's almost like a guaranteed playoff. Like you win this game with what your schedule has, you make the playoffs. That's how important this game is to that. And ultimately, I think there's a lot of pressure because I think it builds the rest of the momentum heading into to the playoffs. It's it it is a big game. It's a big pressure game for the Chargers because it, it lets them know that they're real, right? You've lost the yeah. bad teams. You've beat good teams, right? But this is the game that matters. And can you win the game that matters? Yeah, and right. That's, that's similar to what the Chiefs have done this year, where they struggled and went, you know, three and four or whatever against. Yeah, but you guys are already the got year. the momentum. You're on a six game win streak, and you guys know that you're good. And everybody else knows you're good. Even after the four game loss that you guys had early season when you guys went one and four, everyone was like, it's okay. They're going to bounce back. Nobody, nobody expected nobody you guys was, to stay yeah. bad. Unless your name is a certain ESPN analyst who can't seem to stop with his. There's his a lot of really bad ESPN analysts. There's some analysts. bad ones. And <laughs> Orlovsky is You can't just make a, just make a, a broad, ter- broad I was, like that. I was more referring to Mr. Ryan Clark and some of his wildness the last few Ryan weeks. Ryan Clark, but you know, I really don't I like, like Dan Orlovsky at all. I like Dan Orlovsky. Dan's great. And I like Ryan Clark. So there's there were there we go. <laughs> there we go. We have we have conflict. We have this flip flop. But I will say though, just on the pressure thing for the Chargers, it definitely this is a big pressure game for y'all just to prove that you're a I guess a good team. But also at the same time, like you know you've already won the first matchup. You know so you can say that you at least didn't get get sweeped by the Chiefs, uh, and you still are very much in the playoff race no matter what. I think we're a lot we're obviously a lot closer to the one seed at this point. So it's like if you guys lose, you're still in the playoff hunt at about the same seeding that you would have been. Um, so I would say just on that note, there's less pressure for you guys because I just think that that win at the beginning of the season really takes off some of the pressure, I think. But uh, it's I don't still... think so because we get beat you guys in a time of dysfunction, right? We didn't beat the real Chiefs, right? Yeah, well, not... I think in hindsight you can say that, but you know that was what week two where we exactly. had exactly we had, it, was it was week three, so totally we had just I mean. Team. Yeah, it's definitely a different team, but I think in hindsight you could say that, like looking back, yeah, the Chiefs were on a bad stride, but really we were just coming off of one bad, you know, loss, and you know we still there's still a lot of unknown, I guess, about both teams. So there is a lot yeah. more known now. So I think uh, either way we're gonna get a more clear answer about which team is uh you know has the upper hand on the other one. So, yeah. but 
definitely I, both a pressure-packed and also not pressure-packed game for both teams because at the end of the day, we're still making the playoffs. Either, both of us yeah. are. So I got a question for you. The Chargers have the second-to-worst run defense right now, and do you think you guys are going to, to really try to take advantage of that, or are you guys going to let Patrick Mahomes throw the ball? And teams have not been able to do that very successfully against the Chargers, but that's that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He throws the ball 35, 40 times a game. He, the last few games, he's thrown it like 24 times. Like, he threw it 24 times against the Raiders. It was 20 to 24. That was it. Like, I expect, based on basically what you're seeing and what I've seen when I've watched the Chargers, is their run defense gives me flashbacks to the Chiefs' run defense of, like, 2018, where it's just not – it seems like no matter how many guys you stick in the box, they're still getting five, six yards to carry, four, five, six yards to carry, which is tough to do and give up as a defense eventually. And the line that they built in Kansas City this offseason is far more designed than it's ever been to run the ball down people's throats if necessary. Now, they didn't do it much at the beginning of the year. I think that was some of, and we talked about this on last week's pod on Kingdom Says, was Andy was still figuring out some of his identity and how he's doing things differently because for a lot of years, he's not had a super strong interior offensive line that they can just bowl people over and mash guys. Well, with Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith on the inside, who love killing dudes, like pancake blocks for days on the inside for those guys. They love running the ball. If the Chargers don't show that they can stop the run in this game, if they don't slow them down on the ground, I don't think they're gonna. you're going to see much other than Clyde and Daryl getting handoff after handoff after handoff. And they'll throw it occasionally. They'll do some things off play action. But it's going to be a heavy dose of running the football, in my opinion. Well, and I think that would be the smart route. I mean, you guys gashed us. I said over 180 yards. Clyde Edward Hilaire was averaging over six yards per carry. You, yeah. you got to give that guy some more touches and, until, like you said, prove that we could stop it. I, I don't understand why teams aren't running against us more. I, I get why the Giants couldn't because they were down by 30 points. You have to throw the ball. But these other teams, these last couple of weeks, the Bengals were having some success. Uh, the Bengals didn't really have no. They weren't. Bad, they, uh, that was a bad game. We too. held we held them to two point eight yards per carry over the last four weeks. Our run defense has improved enormously. We improved, we, we were allowing one hundred and eighty yards rushing a game, and now it's closer to like one hundred and twenty. Right, and we had a lot more success, especially since Justin Jones came back, especially after the bye week, at really preventing some of those. I I think over the last like six a weeks, we're only Joseph averaging out also. Over the last six weeks, I think we're only averaging like 3.8 yards per carry, which is pretty damn good in comparison to the six yards per carry we had before the bye week. So we've been definitely much better against the run. Now, I think we're still seeing a lot of yards on the ground because you're seeing teams seeing that early success and they're rushing the ball 30, 35 times a game against us. You're going to, if you run the ball that much, you're going to get the yards, but I don't care about the yards. I care about the yards per carry. That's what's most important, right? Um, yeah. Teams aren't Run controlling the clock team. against us anymore. You're not you're not seeing as much of success. You're not seeing the the twenty yard gains. You're not seeing, you know, Nick Chubb and and I mean the Cowboys, the the Browns. Those teams were putting off like forty yard like gains multiple times a game, and you're not seeing as much of that. I still think that because the Chargers play a light box, the scheme, right? Take away the pass, play two on one in coverage, 
give up some yards on the run game. And you're not seeing the same exact success that teams were having early in the season. Now, don't get me wrong. Jerry Tillery is still the worst defensive tackle in the league. That's my personal opinion. I'm not the biggest fan of Jerry Tillery. But Linval Joseph is still a premier dominant run defender. Justin Jones is a dominant run defender. And by the way, Kaiser White definitely needs to make the Pro Bowl. He's been one of the best players at his position all year long. He has been killing it. He is so crucial to this team. And he's he's playing lights out. Like he he made himself so much money this season. Yeah, that interior matchup, because and we've seen the Chiefs run the ball against a, against guys that are notoriously good run defenders. Like for example, Philadelphia had Fletcher Clock, Fletcher Cox inside and I'm blanking on the other guy who's also really solid interiorly for them. Javon Hargrave. Hargrave. Yeah, yeah. Hargrave. And they lined up, and Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney went in and pushed those guys around. And That's a really good interior group, and it's weird to say that because two of them are rookies. Yeah. And like I said, you're talking about Rashawn being – being, and this is a year – if they give Offensive Rookie of the Year to a quarterback this year, they just need to rename the award because – Slater and Humphrey have been better than Mac Jones by 10 miles, and it's not close. Both of them have been. And Jamar Chase, too. Uh, yeah, and, and I, Jamar Chase has had a fine season, but it's not, not the same Creed. kind of conversation no. as, as those two guys have been. If, if you're going to give Offensive Rookie of the Year to either somebody outside of Creed or Slater, I it, rename the award. Just change the name of the award. And don't get me wrong, Jamar Chase has had lights-out season, but he's made a lot of mistakes, too. Yeah, a lot. He dropped a Lots of drops into your guys' hands last when you guys played him. Like he had right. a touchdown. Yeah, thanks like, oh, for that. Here's touchdown. Here's that was huge. Like that's <laughs> there that's hasn't a- been an offensive skill position player outside of Chase who just had really early good success. It's it's on the offensive line. You got two of those yeah. guys right there, Creed Humphrey and Slater, who have played better at their position than any other rookie at their position. Well, I think Trey Smith out of the conversation, that's just based on how good the other two have been because Trey Smith has been I thought top he should 15 be. guard in the league this year. Like, he's definitely, he's definitely moving guys around. He plays pretty well in pass protection and he was a fifth round draft pick, which is just insane. Six. Yeah. Six. Six. That's the so only, insane. The only unfortunate part is that the refs hate him. So <laughs> he just, he it mauls dudes and then holding yeah. more than anyone I've ever seen. Buries so, a dude completely inside the guy's frame, holding. No, it just looked violent, and you guys thought it was a penalty. That's what really it's yeah. been kind of a quiet year for a lot of skill position players. I mean, I know Najee Harris has played really well with the offensive line that's in front of him, but I mean, he doesn't have the yards, right? No other wide receiver other than Jamar Chase has really stood out this mm-hmm. season. It's been really a quiet year for for maybe Javante Williams has had some success, but he's not. Not he's not. Carried, he's not the guy, right? Like yeah. Yeah, Melvin, Melvin Gordon Melvin is Gordon's the guy. A, yeah, he, Melvin Gordon's having a career year over there. How is the, and this is probably and this will spin back a little bit because you were talking about Eckler earlier. How is not having Melvin Gordon affected this your team this year? Because he went in division to a different to your to a division opponent, and you talked about not having as much running back depth behind Eckler to where he could not maybe not have that workload. How big has that been? Well, this is two years ago, right? So Melvin Gordon left two years ago. Yes, that is true. It's been two. And we had but, Kalen Balaj, who wasn't very good, right? He was he was consistent at getting two to three yards. We're consistent without Austin Eckler getting negative yards. Like, it's not good, right? 
Uh, I think we definitely need an, an RB2, somebody to spell Eckler, somebody that does something a little bit different. And and I think that was the idea beginning Larry Roundtree. You look at Joshua Kelly. We wanted like a big back to kind of get those hard earned yards. But our best power back is Austin Eckler. And he's yeah. 200 pounds. And he's really good at doing he's it really at 200 good. pounds. Yeah, but when but that, you're 200 pounds, that's that takes a lot of toll on you. Yeah. I mean, it does, yeah. but he's moving piles like yeah. pound for pound. This dude is strong, and yeah, he's moving piles. That's his catchphrase. That was like the wear and tear thing with him. It's his nickname, yeah. The 300 pound guys and the, and these linebackers, which if they run Austin Eckler downhill a lot in this game, he's going to get to know Nick Bolton quite well. And yeah. that's another rookie that we took right before Creed, who's played. Well, you talked about it. Andy and Spags are not fans of playing rookies. They've got two on the offensive line. They have one in the linebacker group, and they have one that they've rotated in and out in other scenarios. It, it, it's, and at guard and at center. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. they have a lot of young guys. And then you go back to to your corner, Legereus Sneed, who's in his second year, Willie right? Gay. Playing really, really well. You guys are having a lot of success with a lot of young guys, which is terrifying two years from now. Which is funny because for about eight weeks this year, it was, should Brett Veach be fired? He doesn't know how to draft. He doesn't know how to. And I'm like, guys, guys, go look through who's starting. Go look. Just Mahomes. Mahomes, Mahomes, big contract hasn't even hit your guys' books yet. And you guys are going to be just fine. It won't. The whole way that that contract is structured, it will never hit the books. He, uh, it's it bad has for the Chiefs. Structure clause in bad it for football. It converts signing bonus, and he, it becomes a lower cap number every year. It's basically the Brady deal without having to do the deal every three years. They just did it all at once and have it auto set up to where it just does it for them every year. It allows him to get paid still, getting the signing bonus in restructure, and it allows them cap space and flexibility to be able to go pay Chris Jones to go. Going to be paying Tyron Matthew most Tyron likely. Matthew. Going to be paying Tyree Kill most likely. Going to have that this largest contract in football. There's one year in the contract where you guys get hit with a big sum, and it's only one year. It's in like, and that's going to be your guys' down year, I think, or 2027. It's like it's, it's like year, and it's like a it's like a 65 million dollar cap hit, and you guys will restructure and bring it down, but it's still going to be a big cap hit. And, and you guys put all all of your cap in a single year, which is extremely smart. It's going to be your guys' rebuild year. You guys will see a lot of guys leave as they're aging. You're going to see Tyran Matteo leave at age 33, 34, and you guys are going to be okay with that. You guys see Christian Jones, Chris Jones leaving at 32, 33 years old. That's when you guys are just going to reset, right? Just like you did this year. Know. You guys reset on the offensive line. With how much it, the cap's expected to grow, I don't yeah, know how much of the reset they'll be hunting. To be honest, I with mean, you. I guess you called. I, I mean, I guess we reset the offensive line this year, but we're still gonna get they the one seed. With, so they reset it with the guy that they traded a first for, obviously with Orlando Brown, and they're either gonna tag or give a new contract to next year. And then you pay Joe Tooney the most money a guard's ever seen, and then you go draft two rookies, and both rookies instantly come in and take that job in camp. You're not looking as you're not cap tight anymore. No, you you're guys not. got your guys. You guys drafted extremely well, extremely well this year, and it's going to pay so much in dividends back to you guys when that contract does eventually increase. Yep. And then you're going to have the the addition of the increased cap space to go along with it. 
Yep. And that's that's the part that I think should concern more people, especially teams inside the AFC and specifically the division, is this team is built to win now as it's currently constructed, and it's set up to move forward in a fairly flexible, fairly functional place to be able to go get talent, fill, fill holes that may develop. It makes me wonder how Justin Herbert's contract's going to play out. I will be very interested. Unless to he wins, unless he wins that, the Super Bowl and an MVP deal. award, then uh, I don't think I'll think it'll be a little bit different. But he's it right there. Be. He's just as talented. I uh, talent, talent, but, talent, but part I mean, of deal was about what he's already accomplished. Yeah, you gotta yeah. Like, Mahomes. I mean, you know, like I said, he, Justin's very talented, but I mean, Mahomes. He's won on MVP. the same trajectory. Like, can we be honest about this for a sec? He's on the same trajectory. I don't know. Uh, I don't we can be honest about that only because of the team that he's on. 50 and, five, 50 and 5K in your first full season starting, MVP, followed by and, and an AFC title game, and a game where the only reason you lost is your defense was literally the worst defense in the league by, again, historical margins. Thank you, Bob Sutton. And then Super look at Bowl this year. year. Compare them this year. How, how different are their seasons this season? They're not terribly different this year, but this is also Mahomes' worst season as a starter. Yeah, this is a down year for Mahomes. So, so you're just gonna take out the down year? You're no, just gonna no, be like, oh, that doesn't count. That, that doesn't count. Well, similar, I think. Well, I think the. I think the. Watch playing his best ball this year, and Mahomes when is Mahomes is playing his worst ball. Yeah, you're comparing so, Herbert's best season to Mahomes' I'd, worst. I'd season. go as far as saying that his best season was last season, Justin Herbert's, with the that patchwork offensive line he had season, in front of him. I mean, he's also never had very well to this season of in five seasons. Either season total in five seasons total, he has a different offensive coordinator and a completely different offense Mm -hmm. in every single year. Yeah. Now you're gonna leave him with the same offense for multiple seasons. How is he gonna grow at that? Because he's been learning a different offense every single year for five years in a row. You're gonna give him some consistency and just see massive growth. I I feel like the difference between those what Mahomes got paid for is for one his talent to his potential but then he, he had won. two of the biggest awards given to any individual player so herbert hasn't even been to a playoff game like i i love herbert and i think talent wise he's tat for tat but there's something about mahomes ability to lead his team to consecutive playoff bids consecutive super bowls to win one super bowl um, to play out of his mind when nobody else on his team showed up that day, uh, to lose one to one of the greatest players of any sport ever. Um, I, I think that's the difference. Can Herbert get there? I would love to see it, but he, he still has to prove it. He's in his second season. We're not even done with the second season. Uh, Mahomes has been there, done that. He is the best player in football. So I, I think that's the difference right there. Herbert has to... Herbert has to win a playoff game. He has to first. prove it, right? Like, yeah. ultimately, would, he, if, he has to prove it. If I was the Chargers, looking, if I was the Chargers, at, I would compare more to Josh Allen's deal uh, yes. as, opposed, as opposed to Mahomes. I would look at Josh Allen and see how that was structured and see all the stuff that – because Josh Allen, I would say that's also a very comparable guy skill-wise. And, I mean, he's got a little bit more success than uh, Herbert does, uh, a little more season. So that would be that would be my goal point if I was a Chargers fan. I'd be, I think I'd be that he on Josh started Allen's off deal. too slow, though. Josh Allen started off way too slow. There was He had his one MVP season last season, right? He had that, that was his one great year this year. 
he's fallen back down a little bit, right? He's still playing pretty well, but he's not playing at the level he was last season. But that whole Bills offense is is kind of taken, you know, tailed off this season. I, I think everyone was no expecting him. Yeah. They have no run game. None. Yeah. Well, they, and then they can't run the ball yeah. anywhere on that offense for the Bills. And they've got Diggs and Knox as their weapons. Like you can talk about Cole Beasley all you want, but they have Dawson Knox and and Stephon Diggs are their two main guys on that offense. Emmanuel Sanders has been mostly quiet. You Cole Beasley has been basically non-existent that they can't run the ball at all. And that offensive line hasn't been very good either. And it's like, all digs. And it's yeah. all digs. And it's, and it, part of it is. And Sanders, I, Sanders and Cole Beasley at this point, they're the same player. Like you, that, that's yeah. redundant. You don't need both. I agree. But I guess, and, and like I said, it's not a knock on Herbert. I just, you're not going to see deals like a Mahomes deal unless the guy has shown it, proven it, already done it gone through it because like for example we were talking earlier like they haven't won the afc west since 09 and they haven't made a playoff game since 2018 now that's not on herbert necessarily but until you go and improve that you're that guy that is the super bowl mvp that is the nfl mvp that that also like you said like everybody watched that super bowl he ran for 400 and something yards before throwing passes last year in that super bowl and was throwing balls all over the field hitting dudes in the head and they couldn't catch him like it there's, there's falling to the ground and just getting it completely off. Completely horizontal to the ground, 35 yards downfield, where we watched a quarterback try Hit him in the year. hands. We watched a quarterback try that this year, and he threw it into the ground and bounced his face off the turf. Like, it, it, there's there's differences to it. Like, I still think there's time for Justin Herbert. Herbert could he do could it. Do it. Herbert goes out this year and blows out everybody down the stretch and goes out and takes them to an, to an AFC title game this year and then returns next year and goes out and does something similar, then you can have that conversation somewhat. But it's, it's hey, a lot harder all to I'm saying, that much for something they haven't done yet. All I'm saying thing. is Chargers make the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. I win 2500 bucks thanks to Vegas. Let me get that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can put that towards the contract. There you go. You can yeah, that'll be big. Yeah, I'm sure that'll make a dent. <laughs> Any closing remarks, you guys? How's this game going to go? Give me your score projections. I'll ask Zach and, and myself here at the end, and we'll close it off with what do you guys think this score is going to be? Who's going to win the go. game, and what's the score? Go ahead, Garrett. Okay, I'll start. I'll take it off. Well, it's Thursday night football, so that's uh, always a, a, a fun time. You know, prime time, <laughs> Thursday night. You never know what you're going to get, especially in, in season in or uh, in division like it's going to be a barn burner probably either way. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Um, with that being said, I am choosing the Chiefs to win 28 to 13. Oof, that is not a barn burner. This is a beatdown. Yeah. Well, ahead, it's Kyle. a barn burner for us. It's a, it'll be a fun game for us. I, I'm the defense. The way the defense has played the last six weeks, and the way they continue to just look to continue to improve, I I, I think the Chargers score more than any team has so far in the last six weeks. Um, I've, I've got it like 27, 20 and probably got some wildness in there where there's, you know, tip balls and fumbles and weird crap for both teams. Cause it like, just like the last game, game, it's Thursday night. It's goofy. All all division games are goofy anyway. Short week Thursdays, both teams coming off of massive blowouts of other teams where everything's weird. And now you throw in this COVID wrench where who knows what's going to continue to happen the rest of this week that by the time Thursday comes, this matchup may look completely different than what we just spent the last hour talking about too. So um, it's, it's a game for me that I, I still, I think the chiefs managed to pull it out and get a dub there, 
but I think the Chargers do more than what anybody else has done lately. And I think the offense does just enough that they get they get the dub. So like I said, 27-20 Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be any kind of crazy blowout or anything like that, but I, I do think they do manage to get enough done to where they, they get the win. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be close. I, I think one phase we didn't touch on, which I think are, are going to be big uh, special teams, where the Chiefs are absolutely elite in all every stat that matters while the Chargers are not. I think, and it hurts me to say, I think this is going to be one where the Chiefs pull it out. I'm thinking like 30-24. The biggest reason for that, you have one of the best coaches of all time who kind of got embarrassed last time against a rookie coach. Um, and I think that's going to be big. Andy Reid, like you're saying, he has some tricks up his sleeve. Uh, and I, I just, I think at this point, the Super Bowl, the championship DNA, the Chiefs have it. Chargers are still trying to prove that they have it. And I think this will be a big game for them to get it. Um, I just don't, th- I just don't see us having that killer DNA that the Chiefs have shown they've had uh, dominating the AFC for the last four or five years. So I think that's going to be a big difference. I think everybody wants this to be a high scoring game, right? Everybody wants to see Thursday night football putting up 60 points combined. I think typically that's what every analyst is going to put out there, but I think you're going to look at, at both offenses. You're going to look at both defenses. You're going to look at the, the issues surrounding the chargers. I think that the, Chiefs are going to run the ball a lot, which typically takes time off the clock, which keeps it a much lower scoring game. I'm not going to let you guys go 4-0 picking the Chiefs. It's just not going to happen. But I do think it's going to be a much lower scoring game. I'm going to make it 14-17. And I'm going to pick the Chargers just because I just can't allow you guys to do that. Even my own co-host. I do think it's going to be a close game. I could totally see us losing this game. I can totally see us winning this game. In my defense, I've only rooted against the Chargers once this year, and that was against the Bengals, and that worked for us. So I am, I yeah, let's just say that was a little part of my reason for picking the Chiefs. I do have I a lot more confidence. A lot, Tyler, and I think, I, honestly, in the prediction, I'm, I'm almost expecting like a special teams or a defensive score on our end that maybe bumps that up over 20 and out, outside of that 20 range because – the, it and I don't want to call it, but it just seems inevitable. Just be aware when 49's on the field in AFC West games because somehow the ball always winds up in his freaking hand and always ends up with him doing something crazy or making a giant play. It, it, I don't know why he he's awful in several aspects of the game sometimes, but when he's against the AFC West, for whatever reason, that man is a ball magnet and ends up making a giant. He's a good special teamer. He's a really good special teamer. That's part of the reason he's on the team. Yeah, But you know, the other thing I'm looking for, Andre Roberts has gotten close. He is a a two-time special team like returner. Like that's what he does. And he's just now getting comfortable. He's been with the team for like four four to six weeks, somewhere in between there. And I feel like this is a good good game to, to make a big special teams play. Um, but I still think it's going to be a low-scoring game, a lot lower than anybody's going to expect it to be. And I am picking the Chargers because I've, I've rooted against the Chargers three times this season. Uh, it was the Browns game. I thought that was going to be a loss. We won that game. 
It was the uh, Bengals game. We basically blew out the Bengals for the we most part. Yeah, we should have. We we basically blew them out. I would agree and then I actually picked you guys to win the last time. I should root against them this week so that we can also get another W. But you That's know, the this, thing. we're not rooting. We're just kind I'm of not talking rooting. about. Yeah. We're not rooting. We're I'm, rooting I'm for who realistic. we're rooting for. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm being realistic on this kind of stuff. And when you guys, when, and like I know you guys do the same kind of stuff we do. When you watch as much and and put as much into it, it's not like you're rooting against the team. It's it's no. I'm being realistic. What I see. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I also think that the strength of the Chiefs' offense really plays into the strength of the Chargers' defense. Playing the pass, that's what we do. And we're mm-hmm. going to get Santi Samuel back for the first time in two weeks. We're getting Derwin James back. I think this is a game that we can win. Uh, and I think it's going to be a much closer, lower-scoring game because I, I know Andy Reid is a really good head coach. He's going to try to attack the the weakness of the Chargers' defense. That's going to keep it a lower-scoring game. or It's a lot of time on the clock. But I'm picking the Chargers to win this game because I'm not going to let them be uh, – yeah, it's our I'm just show. not going to let it go for no <laughs> against the Chargers. Exactly. It's not going to happen. We could lose this game, and I'd be it's totally fine with it. But it, it's a big game for both teams, and I'm excited to see you guys come playoffs because ultimately that's the game that matters. You you want to talk about Herbert's contract. Go into the playoffs and beat Mahomes in the playoffs, especially if you have to do it at Arrowhead. You want to earn a contract like that? That's, that's where you do it. Good way hey, to go about I'm it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Any closing remarks? I'm excited to watch this game. I'd be more excited yeah. if it wasn't a freaking Thursday on a short week yeah. with a bunch of COVID crap going on, but I'm excited to watch it regardless. <laughs> hey, look at you guys at like, full strength. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't like Thursday night games just because, like, it gets out the way early and then you have nothing to do on Sunday. Like, you're just sitting through boring football all day and yeah. like, you have nothing to look forward to. So it kind of sucks. Time. But, oh, well. I guess we're on prime time, so. Maybe the Chiefs break out their all-white uniforms. That's that's something to watch out. We're on the road. If we were coming out in all whites like we did versus the Chargers as a surprise, then the uh, then, then, or yeah, versus the Raiders by surprise, then uh, the Chiefs by fifty. <laughs> all right. It's not gonna end like that. Matter of fact, the way that it's gonna end is like this. <laughs>